0: open up your Bibles to Acts chapter 2. That's where we're going to be this morning. We are uh, in the middle of a series we're calling Hashtag Church. We're calling it Hashtag Church. This is, I believe, week three. We're talking about church, uh, this, this series, and, and what church is. What is church? What are we going for? Because we live in a world, in a millennial generation, in a social media world, where church has become a hashtag. And uh, not all of you, but a lot of you have used a hashtag before. Most of you know what a hashtag is. We've got a diverse crowd in the house this morning, so it's okay. But you know, you know a hashtag. It's just that thing that you throw on to the post of the bigger picture of your life whenever it fits. And that's kind of how church has become. Uh, that's how church, that's how we see church in so many ways. And we just kind of see it as this thing that when church fits the bigger picture of our life and what's going on, we will totally use church. But when it doesn't fit, we'll just leave it off, and we don't need it. I mean, it's just kind of this nice little thing that we can use when we need it. But what if church is more than a hashtag? In our first week, we talked about the Bible says that the church, that this group of people, not just this group of people, but us as the people of God, we are actually the bride of Christ. Like, God sees us as way more valuable than just a hashtag. He thinks that this is a way bigger deal. He more sees us like his wife, like his very body is what we talked about last week. That This is actually, we're supposed to function like a body. It's not just a once a week program that you come to because it fits preferences or because uh, I just really want to talk on a microphone to some people. Like that's not maybe what this is all about. What if we're actually supposed to function like a a human body functions where all the parts come together and they make a fully functioning whole that glorifies Jesus and the earth? That's a bigger deal than a hashtag. This week, I want to preach a message to you called Squad Goals. Write it down at the top of your page. Squad Goals is what I want to talk about this week. We did church. We did winning last week. This week, we got Squad Goals. You ready to have a good time? That's good. I hope you're ready to to have a good time this morning because uh, as I was preparing this message this week, I got to be honest, I was getting pretty fired up. I was getting pretty fired up working on this message, so I'm—I'm I'm, like I said, I'm like probably going to be, you know, loud and wave my arms a lot. I was getting fired up, and, and honestly, like I was getting a little heated as I was preparing this message, and I had like—I don't know if anybody competitive in the room, about just a lot of competitive people. I like that. So you know that feeling when, you, when that competition thing starts to rise up in you and it, you just kind of start getting hot on the back of your neck a little bit. I was kind of having that as I was getting ready for this message this morning and asking God what he would say to us about squad goals. Because like I said, we're talking about this series, we're doing this series about church because church has just become this hashtag. You show up when it's convenient, when it adds to the bigger picture of your life. And the truth is that at best for a lot of people, church is a hashtag. But for even more people, church isn't even that. You know, It's just kind of this outdated once a week event that those weird Christians do because they believe a bunch of crazy stuff that doesn't everybody know that like, that's not even true, you know, like we've got more important things to do with our life than go to church, so I was getting heated, because I was like reading this Bible about church, and I'm thinking like, wait a minute, because <laughs> so for so many people, is it, church is a hashtag, and so that's the world we're living in, where church is just kind of this, this thing, Jesus is just sort of pushed to the side, yeah, let's not talk about that, let's not do that, we've got better, more impactful things that we can do, like pursue our squad goals, So I don't know if you've heard of squad goals, but I thought if squad goals are these such high goals that like are priority in our life, then these things must be pretty amazing if they've made, you know, like the living God irrelevant. Right. So I started flipping through the hashtag I got on Instagram. Said, okay, what are some of our squad goals that that we're going for um, in our in our world? Because just before I looked at squad goals, I actually flipped through the news. Maybe maybe you did that this week. I flipped through the news and realized that between like DACA and wars and uh, sex scandals and murders and all like, there's a very real life happening right now. Anybody else living in a real world that's like maybe got some real problems? Like, am I the only one that not everything is roses all the time? Anybody? Okay, perfect. So, so that's the world we're living in. It, it is, there's like a whole bunch of need for like you know hope and healing and restoration and love and that's what I thought we were trying to do here in church, but churches are relevant now, so these squad goals must be really really something. Maybe we should be pursuing those. So I started flipping through Instagram to see what everybody's squad goals are, and it was weird because all I could find were pictures of like people working out and hanging out with puppies. <laughs> like that that was the highlight. That that was what squad goals was all about. And now working out is great. If you can't tell, I really like to work out so. <laughs> Working out is great. And, and puppies are great. Emily Langibbarle said, Amen. "Amen." Puppies are great. Working out is great. But the reason I was getting a little bit fired up is because if I could just be honest this morning, can we be real in church that I'm looking at this real world that we're all living in, and I'm looking at these squad goals that we're all pursuing. And I'm looking up at how Jesus is kind of pushed off to the side by most people, and, and church has just become this hashtag, and I just kind of want to shake somebody and say, like, is it working? Yeah. Yeah. That's right. Am I the only one looking around wondering, like, these things that, like, this life we're living and these goals we're pursuing, like, not really relevant to one another. Like, is it really working? So that's why I was a little fired up. I mean, maybe I'm the only one. Maybe I'm just sort of like this, you know, out-of-touch pastor that doesn't get the kids these days. I don't know. But it doesn't quite line up to me how all these squad goals that only include beautiful people on beachy vacations with lattes and gold-plated Ferraris have anything to do with like the real world that we're living in, right? Right? Now, don't get me wrong. Like, at the end of October, I'm going to a beautiful beach with my beautiful wife. And if they have lattes, I'm going to have one. <laughs> and as far as I know, there's no gold plated Ferraris involved. But if you have one that I can use, let me know, because I'm all about that. Those things are awesome. That's all great. But the question that I have this morning for us when it comes to squad goals and church is maybe, like, can we aim a little higher? Yeah, that's right. Maybe. Like as the church, as the people of the living God who are saved, who are forgiven, who are full of the same spirit that raised Jesus from the grave, can we just aim a little higher? Just, to, just to at least a little higher? When it comes to this squad, when it comes to the church as a whole, when it comes to this church and our goals, can we just, why don't we just live audacious lives? with like really big faith. I mean, faith so big that thinks that Netflix and chill is cool, but it's not like a good goal, you know, like audacious faith, you know, stuff like that. Maybe we could just aim a little higher, like we really believe Jesus is alive. Is anybody with me this morning? Can we maybe revisit this whole squad goals situation? Maybe we could aim a little higher. I don't know if that was a soapbox for an introduction, but are we still together? All right, cool, because I'm about to start sweating already. We should calm down because this is church. (laughs) So let's get serious about this. I want to talk about squad goals this morning. I had you open up to Acts chapter 2. Did anybody turn there? Way to go. I want to give you a little bit of introduction and context for the book of Acts uh, because clearly it has everything to do with squad goals, right? I wanna talk about what does the book of Acts? What does the Bible have to do with our squad goals? So the book of Acts that you are you've turned to in a lot of ways really is this, it's it's this crux, it's at this crux of history. When when Acts, when what was happening in Acts, that is documented in Acts, when that stuff's happening, it's this turning point in history in so many ways because the book of Acts is a, uh, it, it's a documentation of the beginning of the church. It's the beginning of the church. The book of Acts is the second book in a series of two books that are both in the Bible that one person wrote to an important person named Theophilus. Everybody write down Theophilus. Theophilus. I'm kidding. <laughs> you can write it down if you want. So somebody wrote these two books and we have them as the gospel, of Luke, the gospel of Luke and the book of Acts. We have these two books and one person wrote these two books to Theophilus because this guy Theophilus was wondering, what's this all about? All these Christians and stuff like, what, what's this all about? So the person who wrote Luke and Acts wrote the book of Luke to document the life of Jesus. That's why, we, that's why it's one of the gospels that tells us about the life of Jesus And then he wrote the book of Acts to describe what happened because of Jesus, documents the beginning of this church. So Acts has stories from all over the ancient world. It follows lots of different people. It follows different groups of people. There's amazing stories in the book of Acts, crazy stuff, you know, crazy stuff like people being healed. I mean, does that even happen today, Campbell? who was just in the hospital last week, but Jesus healed her. Like, does that stuff happen? Yeah, it happens. In the book of Acts, though, so that was a side note, there's stories of individuals, there's people being healed, there's stories of churches being started all through the book of Acts and all over different regions of the ancient world. There's imprisonments, there's shipwrecks, there's riots. It's, it's a power-packed book. And it's all to document what was taking place as the church, the people of God, was just getting started. As Christians were starting to gather, they were starting to multiply, and they were starting to take this message of Jesus all over the world. And if you're not careful, if I'm not careful, I've noticed this, that It can be really easy to start reading through this book and just read it as a bunch of stories, you know, and just kind of pass on that it's like a bunch of stories that happened a long time ago in a place a long way away. But the stories that you read about and the people that you read about, the decisions that they made are why you are here this morning. That is amazing to me to think about. I try to spend a lot of time just sitting there like, whoa, that's crazy. That these people, these names, these people I've never met, stories, maybe some of them, maybe you've never heard some of these stories before, but they are a direct reason why you're here this morning. Because some people decided to live this way in the book of Acts. So when you read these stories about the way they lived their lives, about the decisions that they made... It is the Word of God, it's helpful for us to learn lessons and be taught and, and shaped and all of those things, but it should also be uh, encouraging, It's put faith in our hearts and understanding that this was a turning point in history because it documents the beginning of the church, which now has become the greatest gathering of people in all of history, like the most people as a part of one thing ever, and also happens to carry the message of salvation for all of humankind book is, there's a lot going on in the book of Acts. This is is important. It's not just ancient history. It's our history, and it is at this crux point in the world. guess what I'm trying to say is, in the book of Acts, there's this squad of people that's beginning to form and multiply 2,000 years ago in Jerusalem and in the surrounding areas, and because of that squad, because of the goals that they agreed to pursue, we're here this morning. Because some squad had some bigger goals to live for. This is what I mean by saying that the book of Acts is sort of this crux in history. And although the whole book is really this crux in history, I think even within the book of Acts, what we're going to look at this morning specifically is is even another decision point, a a crux moment even within the book of Acts where these people, they're starting to gather and they're getting together and they're starting to have to answer this question, who are we going to be? What are we going to be all about? This squad's charting to form what are our goals going to be? A little bit more history. Are we doing okay? A little bit more context. Can we keep going? So if you read Luke and Acts together, like we mentioned, those two books together, if we read Luke and Acts, here's a little bit of the timeline. You, if you read them all in one sitting, you would read all of Luke. So you'd read all about Jesus, his life, his death, his resurrection, and then Acts starts to happen. Acts chapter one, you start to read about Jesus's ascension into heaven. And now uh, Jesus, they've been through the followers of Jesus have been through this roller coaster of a three years of believing that this man is the son of God. And then he gets killed and they don't know what to do with that. And then he raises from the dead and that's exciting. And then they see him ascend into heaven and now he's gone. And in Acts chapter one, they're sitting in this room. There's 120 of them. They're like, "What? what do we do now? Like, they don't have the rest of the book, right? I mean, it's a tough spot to be in. They're trying to figure out where do we go from here? Well, the last thing Jesus told them was to stay in Jerusalem because they were going to be filled with the Holy Spirit. That's important because 800 years before Jesus told them to wait to be filled with the Holy Spirit, in the book of Joel in chapter 2, a prophet prophesied, that God would pour out his spirit on all flesh, that God would not be far off, that he would not be distant, but he would actually fill us with his very spirit. 800 years prior, that had been prophesied. And Jesus, one of the last thing he says to his followers is, okay, that time, time for that like, is now. So you just sit and wait until it's gonna happen. It's never happened before. They don't even know what they're waiting for. And I don't even know if they connected the dots like, oh, this is that 800 years ago thing that people were, you you know, so they're sitting in a room waiting. Okay, well, we're supposed to wait for the Holy Spirit. We'll see what happens. And then Acts chapter two comes and it happens. Here comes the Holy Spirit. and Boy, does he show up with some serious gusto. They're sitting in a room together, all of a sudden there's wind, and there's a sound that's so loud that the rest of the city hears it and says, what's that sound, and starts gathering around the house that all these people are sitting in. There's like, looks like their heads are on fire, but they're not on fire. Pretty weird. And then they stand up, and they all start preaching the gospel to the city in languages that they didn't know five minutes earlier. (laughs) It's weird, but it's awesome. It's awesome. So here comes the Holy Spirit. That's the beginning of Acts chapter 2. So Acts 2 happens. There's this wind, this sound. Thousands of people are around. They start preaching the gospel. One of the followers of Jesus named Peter, he stands up and he preaches the gospel to thousands of people. And right then and there, out of 120 people in a room, now 3,000 people decide that I want to follow Jesus. In a moment, they go from 120 to 3,120 120. It's a big day. (laughs) It's a big day for church. So that's where we're at when we pick up what we're about to read. That's a lot of backstory, but it kind of helps you feel the gravity of the situation, right? They're in the middle of a big day. It's been a long history. There's a lot going on. They don't know the rest of the book. They don't understand what's coming next. But here they are, followers of Jesus, deciding who are we going to be. So I want to read Acts 2, 42 through 47. If you've ever read these before, I want you to read and listen with new eyes, with new ears, with this context that we've been talking about. It's in the climax of this situation, this is what they decide. Verse 42, And they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and the fellowship and to the breaking of bread and the prayers, and all came upon every soul. And many wonders and signs were being done through the apostles, and all who believed were together and had all things in common. They were selling their possessions and belongings and distributing the proceeds to all as any had need. And day by day, attending the temple together and breaking bread in their homes, they received their food with glad and generous hearts, praising God and having favor with all the people. And the Lord added to their number, day by day, those who were being saved. In the heat of the moment, these were their squad goals. Deep friendship, worship lifting up God in the midst of a crazy time. They had influence in the city because of their character and because of their generosity. There was miracles happening all over the place, all the time, stuff that couldn't be explained. They they met together, like in the temple, they met together in people's homes, they ate together, they shared everything they had, and day by day, people were looking at what they were doing and hearing about this Jesus they were talking about and deciding, I want in. Can I I join the squad? These were their squad goals. When the church was just starting, before church could ever become a hashtag, they had to first decide who we're gonna be and this is who they decided to be. That's a little different than church being a hashtag, am I right? And I think that there's some of you that have never been given permission in church to show up with a little bit more expectation than this is going to be a nice event. See, I read, the, I read the book of Acts. I read some stuff that happens in the Bible, and I think, that man, that's crazy. And I think that for most of us, like, sometimes we think, like, oh, we need to like, dumb down this Jesus stuff because it's going to get a little extreme. But I think that all of us are wondering, like, where's the crazy stuff? right? Like, let's do something exciting if we're going to do something. Am I right? Or is that just me? Like, I, if we're going to be in, let's do it. Yeah. And I think that there's a whole generation, like my generation, and this millennial generation is walking away from church because they never really had permission to believe that church was more than a nice little event. Right. And maybe you're here this morning and you've never been told by somebody like, no, you are allowed to hope for more. That's right. Last week we talked about winning and we said, we know we should think church feels like winning, but sometimes it feels like an awkward high five. Like you're allowed to hope and believe for church to be more than an awkward high five on Sunday mornings when you could be sleeping in. Like you're allowed to believe for more than that. I believe that there is a generation of people that may and and there's people in this room and there's people in our city that they've got something in them that really wants to wake up, really wants to wake up. They don't maybe know what to do with it, or they don't know if church is the place or if Jesus is who's going to wake them up. But but like I was talking about at the beginning, I think that there's a generation of people looking around at this world and how this world is trying to do things and wondering, like, this isn't working. I want to do something more. I want to be a part of something better. You're looking for something more. And I think that maybe if that's you this morning, I want you to know, and I want our city to know, like when I think about our church, I hope that we are waking people up to this realization that that thing that wants to wake up, it's for real, it's from God, and it can wake up. Yeah. Yeah. Like that thing in you that, that, may, that like maybe you don't even follow Jesus right now, but you come to church, and you're like, man, I really, it, it would be cool to like be passionate about this. That's God. That's God in you. the thing that in you that wants to really burn for love for God during worship. That thing that wants to be radically touched by God or radically touched by something like, surely I could be used for something. That's God. That's God in you. That thing in you that, that wants to see people come together and, and, and be radical about what they were made for. Like, that's church. That's God in you. That thing that wants to wake up, it's allowed to wake up. It's allowed to wake up. It's not just allowed, it's what's needed. You need to know that that thing that sometimes I think, I mean, I know we've all been frustrated with church at times for different things, for different reasons. But, but I think maybe what could happen if like a, a church realized or a generation realized that like the reason, like when we get frustrated, it's not a reason to walk away. What if that's actually the thing I'm called to be a part of? What if the gap you see is your spot to play? And instead of jumping squads all the time looking for people who are going to fit me and where I fit and all that kind of stuff, what if we were so in that we just thought, well, I hope I find a problem so I can be a solution? Because you were made for it. You were made for it. And you know you were. And you just need to know it's allowed. It's allowed. It's allowed. I think if we could wake up and live our lives like this and believe this stuff, I think that maybe instead of walking away disappointed from church a lot of times, we might just find everything that we're looking for. We might find that we have more value, that we are of more value than a hashtag, that we have a part to play in a body that needs us, that we've got higher squad goals, that maybe this Jesus thing can really happen. We just might find it. I don't know where you're coming from this morning. I know some of you, but I don't know all of you. I don't know where you're coming from on church this morning, what you think about all this stuff, or even if you follow Jesus, but I thought we're talking about squad goals, so I want to share with you some of my squad goals when it comes to church. Can I share with you this morning? I want to share with you some of my squad goals when I think about church, some of my personal goals when it comes to to this church. I have this goal that that every single sickness that walks through our doors gets healed. Every time. Every time. Every single one of them. What if? How cool would that be? That'd be awesome. I have got this goal that in our church that nobody, no married couple would ever get divorced. Ever. None. That's, what I, that's a goal for me. I've got a goal that there be zero infertility in our church. That we'd have no more miscarriages, no more inability to get pregnant, no more stillbirths. No, none of them. How awesome would that be? I have dreamed that every time we get together that we'd see people decide, I want to follow Jesus. Every time we get together, it just happens. Whether three of us get together or 300 of us or wherever in between, that people just walk up. I want some of what you got. Can I have that? That's what, that's what some of my goals are. I, I had this goal that every week after church, we'd have to bring a trash can up at the front. We'd be throwing away cigarettes and pornography and Wiccan books and drug paraphernalia, all that kind of stuff because people are repenting. Amen. Good. I mean, why not? Would that be cool? Yeah. Like, I love that. I love that we, we've had people come high to church yet, but we haven't had them throw away their bowls yet, but we're going to get there. <laughs> And I have this, I got this goal for us, for this church, that regardless of where we meet, how big we are, what's going on in a given moment, I've got this goal for us that in the city of Indianapolis, when somebody needs hope, when somebody needs faith, that their friends tell them to go find some of those Antioch people. Amen. Amen. And their friend may be like, no, I don't go there. That's a little much for me. I I don't know if I believe all that stuff. Maybe they do come here, maybe they don't, but but if you go, they're gonna pray for you and something's gonna happen. And when you run out of options, go find some of those antioch people. They always believe in God for stuff. Come on now. Those are some of my squad goals when I think about church. What are yours? What are yours? What are your squad goals when it comes to church? Do you have any? Do you have any squad goals? When you think about being part of a church, are you just showing up to see what happens, which is totally allowed. You're allowed to just come and see what happens, but you're also allowed to dream for more. Yeah. Yeah. Like, what's yours? Is it to see th- no more sex trafficking in our city and on our planet? Is, and maybe that yours? May, maybe your squad goal is, is to connect stay-at-home moms so they have some sanity in their life. That's a good one. I don't know what your squad goals are. Maybe you're passionate about education. You want to see education reform in our city through the people of God. Maybe you want to see godly workplaces. Maybe your squad goals is like, it would be amazing if everybody here had like two or three really good friends. What are yours? What are your squad goals? I mean, come on, you know? We can do things the same way the world is doing them, but we better not expect a different result. Isn't that the definition of insanity? doing the same thing the same way and expecting a different result? I've got this goal that when the people in the world, they're looking around, and when somebody starts thinking, you know, I don't know if this is working, they look up and they see the church. They say, I want to be a part of that. We've got some squad goals. What if we read this book, believe in this God, and live like it, and let's see what happens. Amen. Let's see what happens. So what's it take? How, how, do, how do we get there? How do we, how do we achieve some of these goals? How do we set these goals? How do we start looking like these people in Acts? Well, number one, I wanna say that you already look a lot like the book of Acts. Whether you know it or not, this might be your first time here this morning, but, but these people around here look a lot like this. A lot on that list I already said is happening. We're seeing people healed all the time. It's amazing. People are giving crazy amounts of money to all kinds of stuff to each other to help get out of debt. Sam just told me we got three thousand dollars in our disaster relief fund for Hurricane Harvey. Like, it's not that big of a church, you know? Like, that's a lot. This stuff is stuff is happening. Like, our worship team is helping us learn how to worship all the time. We're doing it in homes, we do it here on Sunday. Like This stuff is already happening. So number one, if you're here and you're a part of this church, you're, you're really already doing a lot of this stuff. It's pretty awesome. But what's it, what's it take? What, how do we get to even, what's next, you know? How do we keep doing this thing? Well, I told you that Acts is this crux of history. And Acts 2, 42 through 47 is even this major decision point. In the book of Acts. And I believe that this crux, this decision point that we have been talking about could be boiled down to one of these verses, even to one of these sentences, and maybe even one of these clauses in Acts chapter 2 42. It says, They devoted themselves. They devoted themselves. They devoted themselves. This is how they did it. And this is how we do it. What are you devoted to? Are you in? Are you in? Who's Jesus? Is church just a hashtag? Are you devoted to who Jesus is and what he wants to do? See, I see a generation that's frustrated with church but not realizing that they are actually the answer that they're looking for, if they just be devoted. They devoted themselves. When you're devoted, you don't dip your toe in and out when it's convenient or when it's not. When you're devoted, it's not just about complaining about this or that when things are difficult or not the way you would do it. When you're devoted, you don't get offended by people's problems and people's imperfections. When you're devoted, you're devoted to be part of the solution. They devoted themselves. Nobody did it for them. Each one of them decided, I'm part of this squad and I'm in for these goals, let's do this. God's got a call in my life and I need these people around me and we got a city that needs Jesus, I'm in. I'm devoted. They devoted themselves. Like I said, many of you in this room Many of you as a part of this church, many of you embody this devotion. It's amazing to watch. But there's also some of you that maybe need to take a serious look in the mirror and decide what you really wanna do about all this stuff. What you really wanna do about Jesus. What you really wanna do about being part of His body. What goals you really wanna live for. need you decide, if you're devoted or not. See, there's no time to ride the fence and live on in and out and all that kind of stuff. Just pick one and go all in on it. In or out, let's do it. In or out, let's do it. I want you to write this down this morning, this question. What could God do through a devoted you? What could God do through a devoted you. That's when church stops being a hashtag. When you realize God, oh, he's alive. God, he loves me. God, he's got a call in my life. God has made me part of his body, and I've got the choice to be devoted to my part to play. What could God do through a devoted you? I hope I'm not coming across angry or something this morning. I'm not mad, but I'm passionate about this. Like I said, I got a little fired up. A little fired up this week. I believe God gets a little fired up about this. The Bible even says our God is a jealous God. and When he sees us going after stuff that's just short of what we're called to, I think he gets a little fired up because he wants more. He wants more. God is jealous and he is passionate about you living the life that he set you free to live. I don't know about you, but I don't wanna live in prison. I've been there, I've done that, it was lame. Living in prison to uh, expectations, living in prison to my preferences, living in prison to offense, living in prison to worthless things that I thought were gonna make me happy even when I knew they weren't because they hadn't yet and they probably aren't going to now. I don't want to live in prison, and I don't want you to live in prison. I want us to live devoted, devoted, and let's see God move. Let's see God move. They devoted themselves. I want you to go ahead and stand this morning as we close. We're going to worship one more song together. But as we close, I want to close with this thought that I believe that we right now are at an Acts 2.42 moment in our lives. Right here individually, right here as a church, we are at an Acts 2.42 moment. No matter who you are, no matter where you are in your life, this is a moment of decision. Because devotion is not a one-time decision. It's a one-time decision to be devoted, but then you got to make a lot more decisions to stay devoted, amen. You've got to decide to stay devoted, and, and some of you, maybe you're in this room, and you're like the believers that were in Acts 1 and the beginning of Acts chapter 2. Maybe you're like those believers that you've been around, you've, you've seen God do some amazing things, you know Jesus, you're, you're in for this, you've been in. Maybe you're stuck on some stuff, maybe you've got some questions, maybe not, but you love Jesus, you're a disciple of Jesus, but God's ready to do a new thing. God's ready to do a new thing in your life. God's ready to do a new thing in your city and in your time that's never been seen before. And you've got to decide in this moment of decision before you see what it ha- wh- how it's gonna happen, before you see what it's gonna take, before you even see what it might cost you, you've got to decide, am I gonna put my life on the altar again? Am I in? Do I believe? Do I wanna be part of it no matter what? Do you believe that what you've seen God do compared to what he's going to do, is like a room of 120 compared to a room of 3,000? Do you believe that God could still do more? Maybe that's you this morning. Maybe you are like some of the people at the end of Acts chapter 2. The people of the cities. maybe some of this is new for you. Maybe you haven't been following Jesus at all or maybe you haven't been following Jesus real seriously or for a long time, I don't know, but maybe maybe you grew up in church, but this concept of the kingdom and God doing all this stuff is a little bit new for you. Maybe you haven't seen God do some of the crazy things that you read about in here that you hear people talk about, but you want to. Maybe you haven't seen it, but you want to. You've never believed it before, but you want to believe it now. You know it's true. You don't know exactly what it looks like or how it's going to go down, but I want in. Maybe that's where you're at this morning. And your step is to choose, maybe for the first time, to be devoted to what God wants to do. As we worship this morning, I want to invite just a few people, to. Or some of our prayer team is going to come on over and be available over there uh, to pray for people. Because we want to be a people that respond to the word of God, not just hear it, right? Yeah. want to respond. And maybe God's doing something in you and you just need somebody to pray with you. You don't even know what about. Or maybe you do know something about. I don't know. Maybe you've never decided to follow Jesus and you want to make that decision right now. These are really nice people, I, very, I promise, very much. They're very nice people. They're not perfect, but they would love to pray with you. If if there's something in you during this message or right now that's just starting to burn a little bit, don't leave without doing something. Or Maybe you just need to worship. Maybe we need to sing this song again called Build My Life. I'm going to build my life on the love of God. And you need to have a moment right here, right now with God where you choose, I'm in, for real, I'm devoted. Maybe it's for the first time. Maybe it's for the hundredth time. But let's let this be another line in the sand that we come up against it and we decide if we're gonna cross it or not. I'm in. I'm in. Because like I said, I can't help but look around and think all the other options sure aren't working. It sure seems like this one does. I wanna pray for us as we sing this morning. I wanna invite you to respond in your heart. Respond by getting prayers. I'm praying if you need prayer, just start moving. As I pray over us this morning, let's worship together. Jesus, we love you, and we thank you for your truth. We thank you that you are alive. We thank you that you are for real. Lord, we thank you for your promises. We thank you for the power of the Holy Spirit, and we thank you for your church. We thank you for calling us to be part of your bride, part of your body. Lord, we love you this morning. Would you make us a devoted people? Will we be people who build our lives on the word of God? Would you give us higher squad goals, Lord? Teach us to live for you. Come, Holy Spirit, in these moments, in these final moments together, solidify in all hearts what you're doing in us. In Jesus' name, amen. Let's sing together.